Well, Wednesday night, uh, the lady sang that song, and through the course of that song, the Lord gave me a thought for a message, and so tonight's message is based <clears throat> on that thought. And so I asked them to sing that song again tonight, seeing that it obviously uh, kind of goes with what we're going to discuss. Take your Bible, turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 10. It's just a simple thought tonight, very, very simple one. Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 10. <clears throat> The Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts tonight. We are a needy people, and we come to you, Father, a people that have put our faith and trust in you. And if there is any that are, uh, have yet to do so, I pray that they would before the night is over. Or it's been a wonderful day already. We've appreciate the souls that were saved this morning. We look forward to what you're going to do tonight in our hearts and our lives. And Lord, again, if there's anybody that needs you a Savior, may they settle that. And Lord, as we as believers, may our hearts be stirred and may we be moved to be better for you. Father, we need you, and I especially need you tonight. I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost, that I would truly be your mouthpiece, that Lord, you would use me in a way, Father, that would be inexplicably you at work and not simply flesh. I pray, Lord, that it would be simple to see that you are in the midst and that you are moving. And Lord, may you reveal yourself to us again tonight. May you show yourself real in our behalf. And Lord, may you just anoint every listening ear as well. Now, Father, we commit this service into your hands. and We ask that you would be glorified and exalted. You're so worthy of it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever watched a movie where a bomb is being disarmed? Of course you have. Maybe even a sit, not so much a sitcom, but one of them little hour programs or something, you know? But you've all, most of us, if not all of us, have seen somebody trying to disarm a bomb. Normally it's a matter of cutting the right wires in the right sequence. Usually each wire will be given a very distinctive color, right? Blue, red, green, yellow. And the tension builds as everybody realizes that the bomb is going to explode instantly if the wrong wire is cut, killing the person disarming it and everybody else in the blast radius. This scene is often combined with a race against the clock. Inevitably, they cut the wrong wire and it begins to speed up. And of course, it's never as easy as just following the manual. I mean, generally, some kind of twist or turn is used to heighten the tension. Some variations that they use are, you know, of course, colored wire isn't there. All the wires are the same color. Well, that makes things worse. There are hundreds of wires inside the bomb, not just four or five. And let's face it, sometimes cutting any wire at all is pretty bad. The hero may be colorblind. That's a problem. The guy reading the manual, isn't it funny how there seems to always be somebody on the other end of the line that like is reading a manual how to disarm the bomb? I mean, you make a bomb indiscriminately to blow things up. You probably didn't follow the manual, but there's a manual somehow. And the guy or gal reading the manual 
kind of changes their mind between maybe red, maybe blue. Are any of them green? <laughs> the color is one that the cutter doesn't know. Cut the turquoise one. And they're like, what? What, what color is that? The guy reading from the manual says something like, it says to cut the blue wire, snip, after cutting the red one. (laughs) And of course, we just mentioned it a minute ago, but cutting the wrong wire doesn't really trigger an explosion. It simply causes the timer to speed up. It's all building, right? I mean, the guy reading the manual asks about a specific feature of the bomb, and the hero answers correctly. However, the guy or gal reading the manual doesn't hear correctly and causes him to, well, he shares the wrong instructions. I mean, everything's done to build the tension, right? But when it's all said and done, they got one shot. That's all they get, one shot to disarm this bomb. Now, in the movies, they seem to get it right most of the time, but let's face it, in real life, seems many cut the wrong wire, push the wrong buttons, and are on the wrong end of an explosion. And I'm not talking about actual explosives. I'm talking about our lives. The truth is you only get one shot at a number of things. You only get one chance to make a first impression. You get one shot when a grizzly bear is running right at you. You get usually one shot at... Hitting the game winner. You get one shot when you're trying to, well, Isaac asked a girl out on a date. (laughs) That's from this morning. If you weren't here, you'd know what I'm talking about. But sometimes you only get one shot when you're making a sales pitch. There's a story told of an airman who was assigned to the induction center right there with a new GIs show up, and he was advised, he was advising new recruits about their government benefits, especially their GI insurance. It wasn't long before the higher-ups noticed that the, that particular airman had almost a 100% record for insurance sales, which had never really happened before. They couldn't believe their eyes. They couldn't believe what the, the readout was saying. I mean, almost 100%. Rather than ask the airman about this, they... they, they they decided to stand in the back of the room and kind of observe and listen to the airman's sail pitch. The airman explained the basics to the, uh, of the GI insurance plan to the new recruits. And then he said, if you have GI insurance and go into battle and are killed, the government has to pay $200,000 to your beneficiaries. If you don't have GI insurance and you go into battle and you're killed, the government only has to pay a maximum of $6,000. By the way, they just raised that in 2001 to 12000 Isn't that crazy? Now, there are other issues. Don't, there's more insurance involved here, but that particular benefit to, to family. But nonetheless, then the airman concluded, Now, Which guys do you think the government's going to send into battle first? (laughs) Not the ones who bought the insurance. (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
he, he, sure made, he sure made the best use of his one shot as he tried to sell that insurance to those soldiers, didn't he? Now, this evening, I want you to consider the reality of life. I want you to consider the fact that we only have one shot. I want to make three statements tonight and we'll be finished. Number one, give it your best while you're at your best. You only get one shot at this thing called life. And you say, yeah, well, God's the God of second chances, but you only have one life to live and you only get one shot at it. So give your best while you're at your best. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, would you? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. It's good to see my brother here. I didn't expect to see you today. Amen. You needed this, obviously. <clears throat> Don't laugh too hard. You're here too, okay? All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. I like that first portion, and of course, with our teenagers returning, they've probably heard some things like this throughout the last few weeks of the summer, but remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. You know, subtracting experience from the equation... Just removing experience, if we would do that, we are at our best in our youth. Now again, experience plays a major role in enabling you to be at your best. However, if you take just that one element out, the truth is we're at our best in our youth. You know that our minds are clearer and not as clouded in our youth. You know that our memory is better and our focus sharper in our youth. I'm amazed sometimes of how many young people like to give excuses about, well, I, I can't learn memory verses. I'm not good at it. You're at the best you're going to be. Well, I don't understand that. You're probably going to be at the best position you can be to understand things because your mind is more clear and less clouded than it ever will be. Your memory's better and your focus is sharper than it will ever be in your youth. Our strength is at its peak in our youth. And I know that that strength moves on into our 30s, but then after our 40s, things begin to shift and change. And may I say that it doesn't take us long to remember and realize that we aren't quite as strong as we used to be. Give it your best while you're at your best, because you only have one shot at it. You'll not be young all your life, and before you know it, you'll look back and you'll realize that you've wasted years that you could have spent serving God. Our hearing and our sight are better when we're younger than when we're older. You take folks that are over the age of 50 and you start testing their ears and their eyes. You find that, well, they're starting to wax and wane. Things are changing now. Sadly, though, it seems that many young people and many middle-aged people choose to spend their life doing other things other than that which will truly make an eternal difference. We are healthier as a whole when we are younger. Less aches, less pains. 
Boy, the devil does a good job of distracting believers during their best years. You say, well, how does he do that? I'll tell you how, through education. Oh, i got to get an education. I don't have time to serve Jesus now. I've got classes and I've got to study and I've got to prepare for a test. I don't have time to come to Sunday night service or Wednesday night service. I don't have time to go out soul winning or get involved in the ministry of the church. Man, I've got responsibilities. I've got things to do. I've got an education that I've got to assume and that I have to acquire. What a joke to watch our young people at the age of 18 walk out the church and they say, well, I'm sorry, preacher, we won't be able to be here because I've got to study for an exam. I've got to study for tests. Oh, I can't go to the activities. I'm a little too busy with school. My friend, school is not going to get you to heaven. And school is not going to find favor with God. My friend, you need to focus on your relationship. you got one shot at it. One shot at it. That's all you got. One shot. Relationships. It's amazing to me, isn't it? Where were you? Well, I was at my friends. We went here. We went there. Or possibly a relationship with another of the opposite sex, because that trumps everything, right? There's nothing more important than finding a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Nothing more important than getting married. Nothing more important than being a young couple. Nothing more important than having a first child. Nothing more important, right? It trumps everything too often in our lives. The devil uses those things to distract us. Although God gives them to us, he then turns and uses them against us, the devil does. God gives them to us and the devil uses them against us. And we fall into his traps. What a joke. God gave us a child. We can't come to church now. God gave us two or three now. Now we're just so busy, we can't. I mean, it's, what? You, I'm supposed to drag these kids out on visitation? What, read my Bible? Are you kidding? I'd have to get up a lot earlier than that. I mean, kids are already up between 7 and 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'd have to get up at 6 or 5.30 if I want to spend time with God. You don't know how tough it is, preacher. Oh, that's right. I got you. You got one shot. And when we're in our youth, he says, he says simply this, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. May I tell you, 27-year-old with a child, you are still in your youth. You ought to remember your creator. And if you got health in your body, I don't care how old you are, you ought to remember your Creator, because the day's coming, you won't have it. We look around us, and sadly enough, there are those that have been faithful through the years at Community Baptist Temple, and probably across this country, we know, and the fact is, is that their days are numbered, and they only have so much strength, and they have only so much ability, but their heart is still beating for God, and they want to do more and more and more and more, but they can't. They praise the Lord, have taken that shot and they've used it for Jesus Christ. But my friend, maybe you are struggling with that. you got one shot. One shot is all you've got in life. Give it your best while you're at your best. Don't be guilty of giving your best to the devil and your leftovers to God. You'll regret that in eternity. Number two, Identify your purpose for existing and then pursue it on purpose. 
Identify your purpose for existing and then pursue it on purpose. Why? We got one shot. That's why we're going to do this. We better figure out what our purpose for existing is. Why am I here? That's a great question to ask. And may I tell you that outside of God and His Word, there is no way for a person to truly know that. Well, I'm here to help the needy. Are you saved? Is that what God told you to do, so to speak? Oh, I know everyone should be helping people that are in trouble. We ought to be extending our, our, our blessings to others. I get all that. But is that truly what God's called you to do? Well, I, I just believe that it's a, uh, it's a calling in my life. Well, you better make sure it's God's calling, because if not, you'll have wasted your time. You'll get to the end of your days after that one shot. You'll stand before Jesus Christ and say, you know what? I had something better for you. And it would have included that probably and so much more, but you wasted your days. You had that one shot and you threw them away. Threw it away. Revelations 4.11, turn there, would you please? We know, in generally, generally speaking, that God has a purpose for all of us. Let's find out what that purpose is as a, as a, a person, a, a human being even. Revelation 4.11. Identify your purpose. There's one shot. We got, you got one shot. Identify your purpose for existing and then pursue it on purpose. Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Listen, if there's anything that we know, our purpose is to glorify God. To bring pleasure to the Lord Jesus Christ. He created us. If anything in our life does not bring pleasure to Him, then it doesn't belong in our life. Man, we need to identify our purpose, and that is to bring pleasure to God. And we need to pursue it on purpose. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. We've spoken about this particular man and this passage here recently on our Wednesday night, but when Revelation, excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, we're going to note the Apostle Paul again, and we're going to read through verse 14. We know that the Apostle Paul found himself tracking down Christians, even persecuting and murdering them, even if it came to that. And so his life was a wreck, it was messed up, it was certainly being used to thwart the cause of Christ, and yet now we find in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, Paul the Apostle speaking says, I've been apprehended. I've been seized by Christ. I was a persecutor of Christians and yet he reached out and he took control of me. He seized me. And he seized me on purpose, with a purpose, from that day forward. And from that day forward, we find the Apostle Paul was in constant pursuit of the prize. He spent his life in pursuit of that purpose. 
In verse 12, he goes on to say, I follow after, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Paul was saying, I am pressing on with a view to seizing that for which I had been seized, or I am seeking to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. And that word translated follow after is the same word translated persecuting in Philippians 3, 6, when it says concerning zeal, persecuting the church. It's the same word and the same kind of commitment that once drove Paul to stamp out Christianity was now the, what drove him on to plant it everywhere he could. He had one consuming passion. That was to get a hold of that for which Christ had gotten a hold of him. You say, what was it? Well, in his case, we see in Acts chapter 13. Turn there, would you? Acts chapter 13, verse 46. I mean, why did God save you? Well, to keep me from going to hell. Really? First of all, it was to glorify Him. First of all, it was to bring pleasure to Him. You owe Him that. And so do I and every human being. Listen, what, everything that goes on in this life and in our lives and in this world and universe is really about Him, not us. One day you will stand as a trophy of God's grace. Do you realize that that's why you were saved? To prove how good God is and how gracious He is? Not just so you can escape hell, although God wants you to escape hell so that He can spend an eternity with you and you with Him. But the fact is, is it's for Him to be glorified so that He shines in a universe that He created. We're so selfish and self-centered. It's all about us. Why won't God do this for me? And why didn't God do that? I prayed and he did answer this one, but he wouldn't answer this one. You forget, I forget sometimes, it isn't about me. It isn't about you, it's about him. And bringing pleasure to him. That's your purpose for existing. And my purpose as well, to bring pleasure to him. Notice what it says in Acts 13, the Apostle Paul, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves worthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. See, the Jews were envious of the work of God in the lives of the Gentiles. Therefore, they attacked Paul. They attacked his doctrine. And Paul points out that the Jews rejecting Jesus Christ put God in a position where he called him out and said, guess what, I'm going to appoint you now to be a light unto the Gentiles. If my people, the Jews, want nothing to do with me and they reject me and my message, then I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And boy, he did go, and boy, did they hear. And they listened, and they received Christ. And that was the pursuit, and... We see that Paul would end his life by saying in 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7, For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. See, Paul identified his purpose for existing, and then he pursued it on purpose. And that's exactly what God wants you and I to do. The fact is, is that we have one shot at this thing. You better figure out what God has for you, and you need to do it with all your might.
In 1 Corinthians 6.20, the Bible says, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. Focusing on the future, Dale Carnegie made this statement. Dale Carnegie was the man who wrote a book that I referenced even this morning, I believe it was, when I said that I wanted to win friends and influence people. He wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He said, Our main purpose is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but what lies clearly at hand. Now I know somebody's saying, well, as believers, we are to be eternally minded. Indeed we are. However, we're to live in the present. Our focus on the future should inspire or motivate us to act today with a sense of urgency. No doubt we ought to have our eyes on the sky. No doubt we ought to be considering eternity, but only in the sense that it moves us and motivates us to remember we have one shot at this thing. We better give it our all while we can. Number one, we said, give it your best while you're at your best. Number two, we said, identify your purpose for existing and then pursue it on purpose. And number three, finally, Because we only have one shot. Invest in others like no other. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Listen, you and I can invest our lives in a number of ways. But there is only one investment that will live on. And that's an investment in others. Many years ago, and I've told this before a number of times, but I love this story. Many years ago, there was a great meeting of all the Salvation Army delegates. The highlight of the meeting, of course, was to be the final address by their great general, William Booth, the founder, the director of the Salvation Army. All were waiting expectantly to hear from this great man of God, and he was a great man of God. Finally, word arrived that General Booth would be unable to attend. Man, there was great disappointment in the crowd. However, word had been sent that a special message for all the delegates who were in attendance would soon hear. Man, what great message would be given? What stirring or challenging theme would be presented As the message was opened, the following words were read. Members and friends at this great convention of the Salvation Army. Others. And the spokesman sat down. You could have heard a pin drop in there. There was an air of shock to some degree. What great message would our great leader share? Others. Others. 2,000 years ago, the God of heaven came to this earth. He was born, lived 33 years, and selflessly laid his life down on the cruel cross. Why? Others. He would triumphantly rise again the third day and for 40 days and 40 nights walk on this earth. Why? Others.
Then just minutes before he would ascend to heaven, he would leave a final message in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Others. Others. Just think about it. The last word with which Jesus left us with was others. We only have one shot. We've got one shot. We've got one shot at this thing called life. You say, yeah, but we got all kind of opportunities. And the truth is, is that if you make a mistake and you mess up, then surely God will give you a second chance. My friend, you got one shot at life. And may I say there are people in this room that will bear the cross or the weight of their sins in the past and their neglect of God through those early years for a lifetime. And they wish to God they hadn't made those decisions. Yes, God will forgive you. And yes, if that's where you are even tonight, my friend, it's time to begin afresh and anew right where you're at. Why? Because you've only got one shot at life. You make the best of it. You may have made a mess of it, but make the best of it from this day forward because you got one shot and that's all you've got. Give it your best while you're at your best. Identify your purpose for existing and then pursue it on purpose. Invest in others like no other. C.T. Studd wrote a powerful, powerful poem. It goes like this. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. The still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. A few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in His will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its own way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep, faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. 
Now let me say, Thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, Twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. See, what time you have is all you have. No lamenting or regret will change a thing. You've got one shot. How many times do we look back in our life and say, boy, I sure wish my children were young again. Won't do any good. All you have is today. Oh, I wish my husband or wife were still living. I understand that. But friend, let's face it. Those days are gone. You can't get them back. You've only got one shot at this. And I only have one shot. May God help us to give it our best every moment of every day we have breath in our bodies. I used to think and say to myself, one day the kids will all be grown up and we'll only have one shot at enjoying them and raising them. Man, I was so conscious of that as when they were little. Every time things got a little bit tricky, every time things seemed a little bit heavy, I'd think, I won't have them here forever. This is our only opportunity. Let's enjoy them while we can because it won't last forever. Soon they'll be growing up. Soon they'll be gone and I'll wish they were still here. Oh, I lived like that because I knew you only got one shot. Parent, you better remember that. If you're raising your kids, you've got one shot at it. One shot. You say, well, I'm just one person. What difference can I make? D.L. Moody wrote the following words next to Isaiah 6, 8 in his Bible. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. D.L. Moody wrote this beside the, that passage in his Bible. He said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. D.L. Moody realized he only had one shot at this. Maybe you've made a mess of it so far. And I know I'm talking to the choir. You guys and gals in this room have probably made good decisions along the way, but still, maybe there's a bad one. Maybe there's still something going on in your life that you would regret one day standing at the judgment seat of Christ. Friend, listen, it's time to remember we have one shot at it. That's all. And from this day forward, let's make up our mind. Make up our mind, as we noted earlier, to give it our best while we're at our best. To identify our purpose for existing and then pursue it on purpose. And then to invest in others like no other. See, when it comes to the twilight of your life, will you be able to say, I gave it my best. I pursued my purpose. God's purpose for my life. I invested in others like no other. I have no regrets. 
in heaven one day. And I might be wrong. But I believe a person could make a pretty good mess of things in life. And God doesn't always just look at how well you started. He wants to know how well you finished. Here's the problem. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So we don't know when we'll take our last breath. Therefore, wherever you are today, begin today to live like you only have one shot at it. You can't fix that. And honestly, I think God will put that all under the blood. He wants to see how strong you're going to finish. You got one shot. I got one shot. We all have just one shot at this thing called life. Let's make sure we give it all we got and that we make the best of it. Father, we come to you. We thank you for just the privilege that we've had, Lord, just to be here tonight. And again, Lord, none of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes along life's journey. Lord, help us, Father, to never forget we got one shot at it. We got to do our best. And from just this day forward, let's truly remember we got one shot. Father, help us, Lord, we need you tonight. Be glorified in our lives. We'll thank you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head.